Hello, friends. Welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Allison Coton, an interaction designer at EPEM Continuum. Societies and social structures grow and evolve like mushrooms. There's the part you see above the surface, poisonous or benign, and the big complex structures tangled in tree roots below. They grow, sometimes slowly, sometimes faster, fitting themselves in around the lumps and bumps in the ground. Like society, things shift and change, but in an organic way. On the forest floor and among humans, there's a limit to how much you can plan ahead and control for how things evolve, but to compensate for that, the rate of change is slow. Or at least, that's how it used to be, back before there were mushroom farms and metaverses. The metaverse is our subject today. Nowadays, as Alexandra Deening, head of research and insights for EMEA, tells Jonathan Lupo, VP of Experience Design, this technology is moving at a pace that has outstripped our ability to be thoughtful about what those changes might mean for how we relate to each other. Social media has connected and reconnected us, created totally new ways to relate and communicate, and enabled some of the best and worst of human behavior. It's messy and hard to regulate. Mushrooms everywhere. So today, let's pause at the threshold of the metaverse and look around. Is it possible to build these new worlds responsibly? To be utopian, not dystopian in our goals and plans? At least to try to do no social and relational harm, which ought to be a modern designer's Hippocratic oath? Let's hear Alexandra and Jonathan talk about what it means to be thoughtful, responsible builders and stewards of these new places, and what might grow from their virtual soil. Hi, Alexandra. Um, I wanted to start off this conversation. I know the topic is responsible metaverse, but first... I was interested in your perspective on metaverse itself. We're hearing a lot about the term on social media and, you know, with the company Meta, people are familiar or have some level of familiarity with virtual reality and augmented reality and some of the adjacent technologies. But before we get into responsible metaverse, maybe you could uh, describe what metaverse is um, foundationally. Well, I think it's, very hard for us to describe what metaverse is you know it's very in baby shoes uh we know the pillars of you know the metaverse is built up from technology stack all the way to experience layers but at this point it's not even a single place so uh i think very hard question you know we want to address the responsible metaverse and that's going to be very hard because at this place we still don't know what metaverse is we don't know what it's going to be in one year, in two years, in 10 years. Uh, we just know that we don't want metaverse just to happen to us because next to all the amazing potentials which will bring to us, you know, it's going to be transformative. It's going to be transcendent for our humankind. We also know that it opens new pathways for potential risks. And that's why we just don't want to build it for our clients and for the society in general. We want to make sure that we will be building it responsibly. Maybe you can um, kind of help us understand what some of those risks might be in the future. Uh, it can be everything from safety, sustainability, uh, place being not inclusive, being not ethical, not respecting human rights. But fundamentally, we need to realize that, you know, we know what the social media and the digital screens already did to us, you know, on a good and also bad level. And what we need to realize that the metaverse will be uh, powered by virtual and augmented reality. So the whole extended reality and uh, extended reality has this hyper arousal amplifying effect on everything positive and negative. So um, I think that's the very thing we need to take into consideration when building those new environments that it's just going to be completely new chapter we are entering into. It's going to be one of the biggest social experiments and we just need to approach it wisely. So um, if I could kind of 
summarize or boil up some of the points you're making. So it sounds like there are physical, real physical safety risks um, associated with, you know, users being safe in, in VR in their homes and, and you know, ergonomics. There's also, um, you know, uh, uh, it sounds like mental health or um, behavioral risks. And then it sounds like you were talking about at a societal level, social, cultural level, there are, are risks. Um, is that how you kind of uh, frame frame the risks in your mind um, in those kind of three categories? Are there others that we have to accommodate when we talk to our clients about building responsible metaverse? So absolutely those three and then beyond. So maybe if we go one after the other, first, we know that technology does things to us and uh, metaverse powered by virtual reality will accelerate that. So uh, we know that when we immerse, immerse ourselves in virtual reality, our brains start to function differently. We produce a different brain waves, so more alpha waves, uh, less uh, beta waves. 60% uh, of our hippocampus activity just get reduced. Hippocampus is this area of the brain which is responsible for spatial orientation, but also for the new memory pro, uh, capturing and so on. So it will impact our brain in a way which is unprecedented on kind of chemical and also uh, uh architectural level in one moment uh, so that's the first thing what it's going to do to our our brain and our physiology then what it's going to do to our mental health you know when you just you can be completely different person you can perceive things in completely different way uh, you can create completely different relationship and what it's going to do to our relationship towards our real life you know when we can't look the same way as in metaverse when we can't do the same thing you know they're basic principles like gravitation, um, your weight, you know, there is certain ge genetic limitations which b burden you in real life, but will not longer in metaverse. So how do we then make sure that the metaverse environment, environment don't compromise our healthy real life being like people can start to hydrate properly, you know, they don't take, take care of themselves and so on. So all those different layers. And then there is the last layer, which is kind of what impact this is going to be having on our behavior as a human and the behavior between each other as a humans in society. And there will be a lot of opportunities to steer our behavior because you know what happens to us already when navigating in a in a screen virtual environments, you know, that we have this targeting advertising and content which is being pushed to us based on our preferences. But this hyper personalization in this current environment is is based more on, you know, they capture data of what do you purchase or what videos do you watch. Right now, those new uh, technologies which will enable you to do so-called biometric uh, psychography so they will profile you based on your brain waves capturing on your heart rate and they will be able to target the experiences in a way which is unprecedented you know and then before we can control in screens we can be on screen navigation we can control what behavior we want to do or don't want to do where we want to click or not click so we can still control how our data is being captured Meanwhile, in this uh, virtual reality-powered environments, with those all those sensors, we will be it will be plugged to. We can get your real brainwave. So on the involuntary uh, data, you will be disclosing what you like, what you don't like, sexual arousals, you know, and all the stuff which you would like to keep secret, maybe. So it's also next to all those risks is also the risk of your own autonomy. 
Well, that sounds kind of scary and dystopian, almost like a minority report scenario that you're describing. So who is whose responsibility will it be to kind of govern or to control or to make sure that, you know, we don't get taken advantage of in this new kind of virtual world we're creating? That's a very good question. And unfortunately, again, not clear answer for that, but we know that with metaverse, the risk remains that the pace of development of the technology will outstrip the, our ability and the ability of any institution who is meant to regulate, uh, to regulate them effectively. Uh, this was, that's what happened with social media platforms. And it's very likely that it's going to be happening with metaverse too. So, uh, you know, just expecting that social, certain regulatory bodies will take responsibility. I think they will, but it will be too late. So that, hence the, the concept of responsible metaverse, you know, we've been talking talking on previous podcasts with Sasha Pitkiewicz that clients come to us in masses and say, just build me a metaverse. So we don't want this metaverse just happen to us. And uh, the very hope is that we come to the clients and say, well, of course, we're going to build you a metaverse, but we're going to build you a responsible one, you know, following certain principles and building blocks to make sure that it eliminates all those negative, potential negative impacts. It will not eliminate them completely, but, you know, already knowing where the trap is, it's a good start for avoiding it and make sure that it gets the maximum of its potential. As we, I, I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, our clients uh, looking for opportunities to explore metaverse um, for their business. And some of these industries probably have regulatory and compliance kind of bodies or, or governance. So um, can you talk a little bit about who, who's going to benefit the most initially uh, from exploring metaverse in a, in a business model context? What, what types of opportunities are there, are you seeing? Well, I think we can be having separate podcasts just on the business opportunities. And I think the previous podcast a little bit tackle on what what's, what can be happening. Uh, of course, there is a fashion industry, which is uh, uh, having an enormous uh, area to experiment, specifically because, you know, fashion industry was binded by certain artifacts or attributes of the real life, like a gravity. You can't wear everything because it's just not practical. So uh, you can get pretty crazy within the fashion industry on how the new fashion will be looking like. And most importantly, you know, we have a new generation being formed. And I was running research with Generation Z already almost half a decade ago. And those people, and there, it's not just Generation Z, people are migrating more and more into virtual environments. So for them, uh, you know, to buy a, a luxury coat in a real life, it doesn't really make that much sense. You know, we are starting to own less and less. But let's say in a virtual environment, when you had your personality brand when you're let's say successful gamer when everyone recognizes you if you're living with your mom you know you don't really need uh, this kind of code but if you're having your own virtual universe it actually makes sense to cultivate your status and stuff like stuff like that so fashion for example will be one of those on the completely opposite end is the uh, uh, medical area so the whole healthcare when you can be using and it's being already used the virtual um, uh, reality is being used for all kind of treatments of augmenting your cognitive abilities are uh, treating people with uh, so new 
certain neuropathologies are all the way to using a virtual reality for treating a chronic pain uh, when it's being as effective as the as the opioids, you know, and morphine. So uh, from fashion all the way to healthcare, I think we can knock yeah. ourselves out with what we can do in metaverse. That's great. Um, so uh, going back to what you're um, saying about uh, healthcare, um, you know, and metaverse having applications as a therapy. And can we expect that um, in an industry as regulated as, let's say, the healthcare industry, um, that, you know, consumers, patients can expect the same protections um, uh, around their data and their privacy that uh, they have come to expect, hopefully, in, in the in existing kind of healthcare technology. So just to understand your question is, uh, is, uh, is the metaverse going to be able to provide the same data protection as the other, let's say, digital health applications? Yeah, or, or will the regulatory bodies and protection safeguards in these industries be looking at metaverse? And um, should we expect they will be the same kind of uh, organizations um, to protect us um, as consumers Hopefully, But, yeah. you know, that's the tricky part that right now with the metaverse, and it's not just metaverse itself, but really the technology which will be powering it and this whole notion of this biometric psychography where I can get any kind of involuntary data from the pupil, the dilution, brain waves, heart rate, galvanic skin response. So those things in the past were more captured on this digital biomarker level in the life life science and healthcare. Right now, it's not going to be in healthcare only. You know, it can be in Amazon, it can be Meta who will be getting those data from us. And it's going to be very hard to kind of control it, you know. And we know that certain companies don't have the best history of treating our data uh, the good way. So uh, I think the, the chance that in life science, it will be taken care of more seriously I would say hopefully it's higher, you know, because it's been it's been always it's it's being used to treat the sensitive data of the patients. On the other hand, the urgency I see is that the sensitive data, which was before disclosed more on the life science and healthcare end, will be now handed over to companies which never handled them before. And we just need to make sure that we 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 start a conversation rather early. We start to look into that, you know, rather early, and uh, we don't repeat uh, maybe even in amplified way the mistakes from the past on social media and platforms who don't really handle the data well. And there is there is even. Um, a speculative case, which is uh, which is uh, created in World Economic Forum, when they want to raise the urgency, it's it's a made up case. But they say there was a gentleman, let's call him John, who played uh, a game in a virtual reality for twenty minutes, and um, then a couple of months later, he wanted to close an insurance policy, and it was denied to him. And of course, he brought the insurance company to court and he was asking, he was investigating why was the case. And after a round of investigation, the insurance policy disclosed that meanwhile, the guy was uh, 
playing this game, which was built on certain by certain startup, the startup actually sold the biometric data to the insurance company, and they could see that this very person was having predisposition for the mental disease uh, and neuropathologies. And for that reason, they just, they refused his closest insurance policy, and not just to him, but because his sister is sharing the same genetics, she was having the same problems. So we can see that just a kind of speculative case study of a startup creating a virtual game, which you play for 20 minutes, you know, but enable the startup to collect your biometric data and got to know who they're going to, what they're going to do with that. If it ha- ends in the wrong hands and it's being handled uh, and not correctly, it can be very discriminatory. It can be very damaging to people. Do you think that people are concerned? Uh, well, first of all, I don't even know how many consumers are fully aware of what's coming with metaverse and what to expect. But do you think that um, people will be concerned about their privacy? Because they're pretty free with their personal data online and in social media currently. How are we going to raise awareness and make sure that they, people take real ownership and care over the data they're sharing to multiple providers? Well, I think there is multiple layers and it shouldn't be about scaring people. I think it should be about educating consumer of uh, what can be done, what kind of data is going to be collected. Uh, second is not just stand and watch passively, but start to work with universities, with regulatory bodies, with researchers, and start to establish frameworks of how this uh, biometric psychography can be limited, you know, and regulated, not necessarily limited, but regulated. And the last part is then working with companies and make sure that, you know, we do... Uh, introduce this kind of conversation very early we do raise the urgency and uh, somehow create a guardrails for those companies to follow that they build this metaverse as safe as possible also from the data perspective so one thing we didn't touch on yet i think is important too is access so and representation so when metaverse um you know is rolled out so to speak um in full um, and escapes kind of the hype cycle. What's it, what's the population going to be like? Who, like, what's the population demographic going to be like on in, in these virtual communities? Well, we don't know. It can be, and it will be against you by us. That it can be. Right now, we have this gaming uh, sector, and then you can chunk the demographics pretty easily. But metaverse will be no game. There will be retired people who will be using it for neurofeedback. That will be, it will be used for the therapy. We will be having meetings there. So people who previously never touched virtual reality because it just didn't make sense will be slowly but surely migrating in. So I, I wouldn't even dare to start to speculate on what kind of demographics will be there. But I think the very take will be that in one moment, Everyone will just need to migrate in, in one way or the other, because you will, you will somehow become outcast, this left in this abandoned real world. Uh, so practically everyone. Virtual reality headsets are coming down in price. I think uh, the price of an Oculus Quest 2 is around two ninety nine, But I, I think it hardly makes it accessible to some parts of the population. Have you thought about how to make this technology kind of more affordable or more accessible 
so that we have uh, more representation in, in, in these metaverse communities that will come about. I see. I see where you're heading with this question. So in the end, the technology and the price of the technology can be discriminating the people who will have chance to access it. Uh, I think certain companies are already uh, investing into or speculating into how they can subsidize the, the virtual reality sets so they can make it, they can migrate as many people as possible in because we know that metaverse without people, you know, doesn't really matter. So uh, then again, uh And I, I do hope that that will be also part of the business model, not just of the of the meta, but uh, it will be right range of companies who will be having as a part of this strategy, making sure that uh, that the technology is accessible also to those underprivileged, uh, different kind of geographies and so on. So, uh, valid point. Definitely, technology and access to the technology price wise will be a limiting uh, point. But again, that can be one of the guardrails. You know, meanwhile you are building your metaverse, make sure that you migrate uh, the right people, you enable the right people to come in, make sure you provide access to also people who will not necessarily have the access because of their social economics. And th this way, ensure that your metaverse and the, the very area you are building, it's inclusive, it's diverse, and um, it's then creating a, a virtual society, which is, which is uh, exactly as we want it to be. And how do we prepare our clients or, or kind of educate them in terms of uh, kind of the guardrails to, to keep in mind to, to make a responsible metaverse? I think first, one thing I always said, that the, that's one of my favorite quotes, that the mysteries of the life are not problems to solve, but the, the experiences to live. So I think metaverse and the guardrails and how it's going to be built uh, safely and responsibly will be kind of ongoing process. So I would, I would not start with client itself. I would say those guardrails first needs to be defined. And that will be working with academia, working with researchers, working with those uh, companies who will be powering it, you know, working with Meta, Magic Leap and all those guys who are in the middle of happening and uh, try to articulate as much as 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 much guidelines as possible, you know, have those building blocks from uh, some sustainability, safety, all the way to also making sure that, you know, we talk to designers and also teach them how to create environments and how to kind of incentivize the certain kind of behavior within the metaverse. So that will be the first layer, creating good of guardrails. Second layer will be then sensibilizing the clients and telling them what are the potential risks. You know, some of the risks won't be kind of possible to avoid, but try to tell them this is what the risks are and this is how we can still make your business model happen. Then we have those most amazing, you know, business consulting in EPUM to make it happen. This is how we can design it and make it look awesome and we have the most amazing designers and meanwhile we will be doing that those are the risks we need to take care of and this is how we can make it happen for you uh, and at the same time you know making sure that it will be that the adverse impacts will be minimized as much as possible alexandra it sounds like there's a lot of um, great thinking taking place at epam around building responsible metaverse and foundational principles that we're we're thinking about how can others help us in this in this mission to build responsible metaverse that's that's a great question john um we do have a bunch of amazing thinkers uh in 
in within EPAM indeed, but uh, I always say that it takes a village to build a responsible metaverse. Uh, so uh, we will need uh, more researchers, more designers, more academia. We'll make need people who will help us to make sure that we use the human-centered design principles within the metaverse, that we do the quite good uh, research within this environment, uh, that we have those interdisciplinary design guidelines to uh, to for the creation process and so on. So that would be not just EPAM and shouldn't be just EPAM dialogue. So for that, if you are coming from any angles where you can, you believe you can support, uh, there will be link uh, attached to this uh, podcast. We would welcome literally anyone who can create value coming from design all the way to regulatory to help us to build those uh, guardrails, those building blocks of uh, safe and responsible metaverse. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business experience and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed. Thanks to Alexandra Deening and Jonathan Lupo for this great conversation. Cheers to Kit Palalis, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Applause to Ken Gordon, our producer, for all his masterminding behind the scenes. I'm your host, Allison Coton, and I'm off to contemplate the fall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm.